We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Thursday, April twentieth. It's four twenty. Smoke them if you got them. I guess. I, whatever. It's a pot. It's a pot day. Is it pot day? I don't know. I don't smoke pot. I have no idea what's going on. But do it if you want. I guess. Am I allowed to say that on YouTube? Where it's legal? I guess. Whatever. But good morning. Good morning to everyone here. DFS pregame show, the early birds, Suki Singh, Wataz, Doug Montgomery, Defic, real life pitcher, Bart B, Daniel Hutchings. Yo, good morning. It's 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 teaching time. This is what we do in the morning. I answer your DFS strategy questions. You email them in, and I answer them. Now, obviously, you could talk in the YouTube chat. I would always appreciate that. Give me those thummy thumbs. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Hit everything you want. On the YouTube screen, submit your questions for the show. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. This is unstructured learning, right? So ask ask whatever you want, and I will answer, even though I'm probably going to repeat myself multiple times uh, throughout the course of a year or throughout the course of time. But send them in, questions at theoryofdfs.com. You guide the show. I got answers for you. And uh, and then we'll be covering uh, one, one of the questions Today on the show about factoring in soft, how how do you compare contests as far as how soft they are? Okay, because I, I got this question in. Are the lowest stakes single entries just as soft as the $121 single entry you talk about? Where the high price point makes guys risk averse and they go with safer plays, causing the super high ownership. Lower buy-ins also have more players. Does that factor into the soft? Such as the $12 has like 2,450 entries, the $5, 3,567, the $3, 1,981. So, how do you determine if a contest is soft? Okay. Well, the field size has nothing to do with softness, right? In and, in and of itself, in and of itself, 
From an opportunity standpoint, it does. But in and of itself, the field size, you could have a field of 100,000 and it'd be a very hard contest. Okay, you could have a large field could be less soft or not as soft. Right? We see this a lot in NFL with the $9 slant, especially now. In the past, maybe not so much, but now, now a little bit more because the contest is smaller. Typically, how I judge large field contests for their softness. And softness is different from ex- exploitable. Okay, you could exploit any contest regardless of how, how, quote, soft it is. Softness, I just, I I use as how many bad players are there versus good players. That's essentially what I'm saying. How how many how many people are aware of, of projections? How many people are aware of how to build lineups? So how many good lineups are versus bad lineups? In large field, I typically, the heuristic I use is how many, what percentage of the contest are 150 matches? Typically, typically in the long run, for the most part, users that enter 150 lineups are good players, okay? So if you have a, con- if you have a contest where there's 30,000 entries and 28% or 150 maxers, that's different if it was 46%, right? We've seen the $9 slant in the NFL since they since they've they've curtailed that the entries. It used to be like a 60,000 entry contest. It used to be 60,000 plus 65,000. And the, the the number of 150 maxers were somewhere in the 20s, 20 at 25-ish percent of lineups, right? Were 150 max or lineups. Once they've made it like fifteen to 20,000 entries, you get a lot of the same amount of 150 maxers. So, I mean, a lot of times in that contest, half of all the lineups are from users that are entering 150 of them. And typically, people that enter 150 lineups tend to be better players. From a softness perspective, not whether or not it's exploitable, right? You could, you could exploit good players. I mean, you, you, could, go, you could go into a 10-man contest and good players are just like throwing in, you know, high projected top stack type of lineup in MLB. And you go, well, well, if eight of them do it, you know, they're all good players, but they're not observant. They're not they're building lineups specifically for that contest that you could exploit them. The contest isn't soft, though, right? You're not seeing low projected lineups in there, right? You're seeing you're seeing the, the, be- the better plays, if you want to call them the plays. They're the, they're the ones being owned. When there's a you know thirty eight hundred dollar point guard that projects for a million, these players have that player, right? The the bad players sometimes don't have those players, right? So how how do you judge softness? I judge softness based on the ownership spread between the contests. Okay, the ownership spread meaning what are the best projected plays? How how often how they're owned from contest to contest. That doesn't mean it's not exploitable. I mean, hey, in the 121 single entry battery in MLB, the best, the best plays, the highest projected lineups, the highest projected players are typically over-owned. But they're but they're owned way higher than in other contests because the players are aware that they're high projected. It's just that from 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 a, a bulk perspective of like a whole bunch of them are employing a very similar strategy to one another, and then we are exploiting that. Well, hopefully you're exploiting that. By now, now the the 
the best projected players are over-owned. But a lot of times in the in the larger field contest, in the lower stakes, in the larger fields, the the owners they they could be they could be the best projected players and be under-owned, even though they're you know they're chalky. So just comparing contest to contest, what the ownership is. Daniel Hutchinson says the slant is hard not just because the average lineup quality, but the flatter payout structure and fewer entries now makes it less of a mistake to slam chalk. That's correct. But I view that less, I view that from a exploitable versus non-exploitable and then soft versus non-soft. I think the first, the first level you should be looking at is how, how many bad players are there in the, that, that are, are just like unaware of the projection of their lineup. Right. And you could typically do that by ownership and you could do that yourself. Right, you go to I I brought up you go to your contest history. Right, I went yesterday, right, and I played because I played five lineups. So I played the one twenty one. I played the twelve dollars single entry. I played the five dollars single entry. I put all the lineups in the in the twenty max, and I put all the lineups in the one fifty max. So we could look at that. So I could go to all of these. I mean, I didn't have a good day, right? Because I didn't you know I didn't slam the Cardinals. But I can go to the single entry right here, and you could just you could download. I mean, here export lineups to CSV. It's right on the screen, right? So I can explore. I can export those. That'll come up in my browser, right? I can open up the zip file. There's a CSV there, right? I'm going to bring this over to my other screen. Probably make it a little bit bigger. Well, actually, let me, let me, let, I'm going to be putting stuff side by side. So maybe I need to make it smaller. 100%. Okay. So let me stop the screen and go over there. Go to my other monitor. Okay. So we can see here, it's going to be small. because I'm going to put stuff together. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make it bigger just for now. You see that? So you can see here, I mean, you can see all the lineups. You can see, you know, all the points and everything. But you can see over here, right? Player, roster position, drafted, right? So Justin Steele in the 121 was 55% owned. How many points he scored? But we don't care about the results. Goldschmidt, 52%. Contreras, 52%. I mean, this is the main reason. If you didn't have Tommy Edmond at 52% ownership at 41 points, you were in big trouble last night, right? Trevor Rogers was 48% owned. So look, look at look at the Cardinal stack: Goldschmidt, Contreras, Edmund, Carlson, O'Neill, all over thirty percent owned. Still, Arenado just underneath that. So you can take a look here. It's like, yeah, well, obviously they were the best projected stack. Trevor Rogers was, and Justin Steele were two the best projected pitchers over Max Scherzer. Right. So you look at this, and now let's minimize this a little. Let's make it smaller. Down to 100%. Now I could go to the $12. That's the base hit. Is that what it, this is called? Let me just make sure. It is the $12 one. This is also a single entry contest. And I could export those lineups, right? Do the same thing on that screen. It gives me a zip file that contains the CSV. And then I open that. Right? So you can see here, I got this other one here. I could put it almost side by side, right? Right? So Justin Steele in this contest, make sure I got the right one, 55%. Goldschmidt, 
48%, Edmund 48%, Contreras 43%, Rogers 38 right? Rogers was 10% less owned in this contest than he was in the 121. Alex Cobb, 23%. Where's Scherzer? Scherzer was 12% in here versus where's Scherzer here? 14%. Okay, not that much of a difference. But the Rogers ownership was much lower in the, a little bit. I mean, much. 10% lower in the $12. Now we can go to the $5 one, the chin music, right? I could I could look at, look at those CSVs. Right, so I click on the same link, get the same zip file, right? Open it up, right? Open up the CSV. I could put this side by side, right? So we take a look at the $5 chin music. Justin Steele, higher owned. Trevor Rogers, lower owned. Right now we're down to 35% owned for Trevor, Trevor Rogers. If you were using the bat projections yesterday, he was the highest projected pitch, regardless of salary. Now, yeah, he got injured and had to come out after three innings. But we're not worried about results. We're just looking, we're just judging ownership. Goldschmidt was a little bit, Goldschmidt's ownership goes down. You see between the three, 52, 48, 47. Arenado goes down, right? The best rejected players are getting less and less owned. Alex Cobb, 21% in the $5, 23% in the $12, 26% in the $121. The lower and lower you typically go, this as a heuristic, doesn't say it always happens. The lower you go in stakes, the more bad players are typically in your contests. Doesn't mean that how they are exploitable is different. But as far as bad players, typically you could judge it based on how owned are the highest projected players. How you exploit that ownership is going to be different from contest to contest. Because look, what are the what are bad lineups? What do we consider negative EV lineups? Broadly in DFS, GPPs. There's one or two types of lineups. Lineups that are too high owned or too low projected. Bad players, bad, typically, are the ones that are building too low projected lineups. That's who we probably target more than people that build too high owned lineups. In the the, the $5 GPP single entry, I'm not sure if yesterday the Cardinals did it, they still could be overwhelmed in this contest. Like the w- more bad players there are in your contest that are building low projected lineups, the more they it you're they're available to be exploited by playing higher projected lineups. Meaning that the the chalk, the better projected players are more advantageous to play in contests where people aren't playing them because they're playing too low projected lineups. We see this in large field contests a lot. Large field contests, it's quite possible that a 28% owned player, although high owned, should be 35% owned. And if you played a lot of them, you'd probably, you'd be exploiting the field by doing so. 
by playing a lot of the chalk. Then you go to the 121, and that third, that 28% owned player that should be 35% owned is 50% owned. You're like, okay, well, that's over-owned. In the 121, you're exploiting the bad, most of the, a lot of the bad lineups in the 121. Now, there are low-projected lineups in the 121. But you're exploiting the fact that, as a group, a lot of sharper players are playing two similar lineups to each other. They're playing two high projected lineups, two high own lineups. So how do you exploit that? By by not playing those players. Not not playing a very low projected lineup, but not playing like the highest projected lineups. Both contests are soft. But they're soft, they're exploitable in different ways. So a lot of times when people say soft, I I I I assume they mean by how how many bad players Overall, that's in the eye of the beholder. Some people you'd be going the 121. That someone like McLovin is a bad player in the 121. He's not a bad overall DFS player. Alex Santi says the battery also has a lot of MME players just tossing in the 121 into a bucket from the top of the optimizer. It seems yes, that's exactly what they do. They're building a 150 set and they're just throwing in the top projected lineup or something like that into that contest. They're playing so much volume, they're not building a lineup specifically for that contest. And you expl- and you could exploit them. But their their con- their their lineup set is great for for large fields because they're exploiting the field that aren't playing the best projected players often enough. This is why I say often when I play large field versus small field that I'm more contrarian in small field than I am in large field. Doesn't mean I'm playing like lineups that sacrifice 20 points in projection in the 121. There are more ways to get contrarian in the 121 because the the chalk is way chalkier. Yet in the larger field contests, typically a lot of a lot of times the chalk isn't chalk enough. I mean, we could we could look at that. Let me get rid of this. All right, let me get rid of these because I also have the 20 max four dollar 20 max up. And the uh, the relay throw, the, 50, the 150 max, right? So we're going to export the, the main, the featured contest, the 150 max, $15 contest from last night or yesterday, whatever, right? So I can bring that up. Let's bring it up over here, right? So this is the large field. Let's make it a little bit bigger just so we could see. Justin Steele, 42% owned. Trevor Rogers, 36 Look how look how much lower owned the Cardinal stack is here. Edmund, 29, Contreras, 27, Goldschmidt, 27. Scherzer's way higher owned. Scherzer's 23% owned in the large field. This is way over owned. Back Scherzer's way over owned in this contest based on yesterday's projections. Alex Cobb, 22%. Tyler O'Neill, 17. Arenado, 16. Right? This is much lower ownership than, than you saw in the single-entry contests. In the single-entry contest, it probably was more worthwhile to not play a Cardinal stack. But in, it, in here, you can make plenty of lineups that have like Edmund Contreras, Goldschmidt, O'Neill, Arenado, Right? You could play Rodgers. You could, I mean, you you could you could have made a lineup that has a whole bunch that has you know 
more than half your lineup double digit owned players because they're probably too they're low owned enough i don't know if they're over owned or under owned for that slate but i mean the cardinals projected way better than every other team i thought the, i thought the pirates were actually under owned right some bit brian reynolds gets ejected scherzer gets ejected everyone's getting injured ejected whatever now we're going to take a look at if we go to the uh, the four seamer, like the the, the four dollar contest. That's twenty max. So I'll bring that up. You can get these yourself. Just enter the contest, and you have to go to the contest screen, click the entry, you know, the results button on the DraftKings screen, and right underneath all the line, the standings, it says export lineups to CSV. You could open up and you could see it yourself, right? So here's the here's the four dollar, twenty max, All right? Let's 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 make this smaller, All right? And let's put the side by side over here. Make this a little bit bigger, right? So here's the here's the four dollar twenty max. Justin Steele a little bit higher owned than the one fifty max. But look at this, Edmund, Edmund 37%, Rogers 34%, so Rogers about the same. But it looks like the Cardinal stack was higher owned in the in the 20 max, the $4.20 max than in the large field $15 contest. Which I which I I would expect. The $4.20 max with a flat payout structure tends to uh Tends to get slightly sharper people, or less ba- less bad people. That's a better way of putting it. The largest field contest, the fifteen dollar, whatever the hell they call a relay throw, is always going to be the softest contest because it attracts the most amount of casual participation. Fifteen twenty percent of the lineups are going to be onesie twosies, random people, stuff like that. They're attracted to 50K to first rather than what? 3K to first? But 10% to, to first place type of payout structure? That's the reason in the 20 max, a lot of times, the ownership on the better projected players and the better projected lineups are going to be higher. But this is how you compare. This is what you, you literally go and look. You can download these. What you could also do is you could take these lineups, you're going to have to do a little bit of an Excel work, right? So we could have, like, let's say here, here's, let me make this bigger. Here are all the lineups. I mean, this is literally all the lineups. I mean, you could scroll all the way down, right? These are all the lineups, right? All the lineups. It's from the contest CSV, right? Now, here's a simple way of going of finding, like, looks like, uh, how many 150 maxes are there? So, right, so we take a look at uh, how many how many contest entries are there in this whole contest. Shin Music, Relay Throw, right? Entries, uh, 17,107, okay? Well, the thing is here is that in this entry name column, it always has, like, a fraction of lineup number versus of this many. So if I want to do, I could do a find function, right? I could go to find. Where's find? 
find, find, I could find slash 150. And I could find all of, find all, right? Click find all. 8,100 cells found. Okay, so that's how many how many entries? Because there's no other place on the sheet where it's slash 150. You could find it. So 8,100 8, cells found, which means there's 8,100 things that have X over 150. So that's 8,100 lineups. There's 17,107. We could do the math. 8,100 divided by 17,107. So in the real I throw yesterday, the $15 featured 50K to first GPP on DraftKings, 47.3% were 150 maxes. Right? And Daniel Hutchins even posted in the chat, really throw usually around 45%. Yes. But you see how I figured it out? I mean, like, I just use an Excel function. Like, I could, oh, I have to count them one by one. It's like, no, don't just, there you go. You can even sort. I mean, you could do a sort and a count function. You could do whatever you want in Excel. Another thing you can do, you'll need you'll need to have some Excel functionality to do it. This this lineup is is a mesh in the file, okay? So it doesn't have the columns, like it just shows like all of the lineups. Like, see, one B Carlos Santana, two B Rodolfo Castro. You could take this, right? Take all of these lineups. Don't worry about the users at all. Take all of these lineups. Split them out into 10 columns, right? So you just you're getting each individual one in 10 columns. You're gonna have to know a little bit about Excel to do it. And then put it into the portfolio trimmer of the, the theory of DFS portfolio trimmer that I have as part of the the core the, the, the advanced course with the projections. Okay. So you're just getting all the, all, here are all these lineups, all 17,107 lineups. And then with, you have to save the projections from yesterday, right? Save the projections and the projected ownership. And then you can compare it. Then you could look, what's the range? Say, oh, this, well, here's here's the highest projected lineup that was entered. Doesn't mean it won. It does, we're, not, we're not caring what actually happened. But here's the here's the projection and here's the ownership. And you could scroll, you could look, look at all the lineups. You could even have a function on the bottom. You could just do, you know, an average if you want. Right? What's the average projection? What's the average of all column, you know, row two through row 17,108 of the projection column and the and the ownership column? And go, okay, what's the the average rejection is 107 and the average ownership is 142. Then compare it to your own. What's your average rejection? What's your average ownership? I mean, these are very these are very blunt things to do, but you can compare that to other contests. Is the average projection in the relay throw higher or lower than the one in the in the 20 maps? I'm gonna tell you that the projection is gonna be lower in the large scale. What's the ratio between projection and ownership in one versus the other? I mean, this is this is way there. These are ways to compare contests. 
Now, once you start comparing contests to one another, after a couple of days, after a couple of contests, you'll 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 notice trends more likely than not. Like like that's why that's why I say like the largest field contests, right? Typically have less ownership on the better projected players for two reasons. One, there's you know 10, 15 percent of lineups that are just horrible projected lineups in general. And you have people that are, you know, trying to play contrarian, right? So I'm maybe less likely to play the chalk. So you see more of those lineups. In the 121, you get the opposite. You have a whole group of people that are just like, I'm just gonna play the best five-man stack lineup that my projections tell me, and that's it. And then it just turns out that a hundred people do do the same thing. They're not colluding with each other. Actually, it's hard. It's hard. It's, it's awful to do it. Do it that way. They're just like, okay, that's what that's what I'm throwing in. And you can exploit them in a different way. But these are ways to use. I mean, this this isn't hard. I mean, you could just you could go to the DraftKings screen. You could download anything you want. That's what's great about DraftKings compared to Fanduel. Fanduel, you can't. You could use the the contest reviewer as part of theory of DFS to review any specific player's lineups. So you can import the projections that you have from yesterday and go, I'm going to take a look at Shady Advice's 150 set. And it'll show you all the lineups, the projection, the ownership, what percentage of lineups are stat, what stacks they are in. And I mean, you could, you could inspect one user's lineups. You look at Osimo's lineups, of Hishbu's lineups, of whoever. Jay Blake the King's lineups, Good Sab's lineups. You can do whatever you want. It'll show you the total ownership. It'll show you their their ownership versus what they have in their set. I mean, a lot of stuff that, that you would look at in Results DB, right? If you're if you're using if you're doing the featured contest, you could use Results DB here at Roto Grinders. But Results DB doesn't have all the contests. So if you wanted to inspect your twelve dollars single entry. Results DB doesn't import that. So you'd have to use like the contest reviewer in theory of DFS. If you wanted to look at it, if you have a three max con, whatever contest you're in, it doesn't matter. Uh, Let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Alex Santi says, my first couple of years playing small fields and single entry, I just X out the top two owned teams on every slate and build from there. Wasn't my best foot forward, but it was a helpful exercise. Yeah. I mean, you can do that. It doesn't mean you can't make lineups with like the top owned team. Just have to make make it leveraged enough. It's, it's harder to do it. James Johnson is asking about the free month. I would say contact support, support at rotogrinders.com. I have nothing to do with that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's see. Anything else? In the YouTube chat, Defix has uh, 1,222 dupes. Is this, Dave, is this, is this in the in the $15 contest? I'm assuming so. I mean, obviously not that smaller field. 1,200 dupes and 40% of the lineups were less than 80% of optimal projection. In the, in the $15 contest. That's a lot. Well, do you mean optimal as far as optimal unstacked versus optimal stacked? Typically in MLB, I'm comparing my lineups to the optimal st- five-man stacked lineup. So obviously the, optim- the optimal, I mean, the optimal unstacked is going to be a couple of points higher. On a lot of slates, depends on the slate. Obviously, you know, the Pirates are been price and cores and like, well, the optimal lineup, regardless of stack, is a five-man Pittsburgh stack anyway. That then it then it's then it's the same thing. But in baseball, typically I'm comparing my GPP lineups to like what's the highest 5x lineup? Or at least a 4x lineup or something like that. Not the what's the what's the top optimal lineup with eight one-offs in it. Oh, that's okay. Dave says optimal stack. Yeah, that's a lot. Why do you think the large field? Why do you think the large field contests are the softest? The pain in the ass is realizing you're realizing your EV because you're going to build tons of plus EV lineups, but it's still a seventeen thousand entry contest, and the payout structure is very top heavy. Oh, you come in sixth, you come in fourth, you come in ninth, up, you're down for the down for the year. If you're playing one fifty, if you're playing five ten lineups, yeah, go for it. But yeah, you want to play a contest where there's twelve there's twelve hundred dupes or twelve hundred lineups were duped of each other, not the same lineup that was duped twelve hundred times. I assume so. Was there a lineup duped twelve hundred times? Or we're talking about how many duped lineups there were, where like this lineup, right? Or oh, this lineup isn't even a dupe. I'm just looking at the same score. Like here, this looks like very similar lineups to each other, right? But they're not the same, right? Contreras, Connor, Joe. No, this one has McMahon in it. Right, here's, here's a couple. I mean, some of them are going to look the same. I mean, obviously, duping in a in a large field GPP is, I mean, automatically kill, you know, definitely lowers your, your EV significantly. So no matter if you, oh, well, I'm only duped with one other person. Well, that's, that's not good. When you have 10 slots and, and you're, I mean, you could play, there's 7 billion combinations of lineups. Right, Dave says two or more. Okay, that's what I thought. I didn't think there was going to be a lineup in here that was duped 1,200 times. So yeah, 40% of the lineups were less than 80% of the optimal projection, which means if the optimal stack projection was like 100, that means 40% of the lineups had a projection of 80 or lower. 
Those are the contests you want to be playing in. Compare that to the contest that you're in. You have the, you have the data. You have the information. Right? If I go over. If I go over here. Go the real like, dude. Here's here you go. Export lineups to CSV. You'll get the you'll get the same file. This isn't proprietary information. There you go. You get the ownership. You get you get the results. Even right. Then if you go to lineup HQ, right? If you're like you, whatever projection source you're using, right? You can use the RG projections, the bat projections. Sign up for Roto Grinders. You get this. Right, click on that link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month. It's like here. Here's the download players in the slate. Right, you download that. Right, you get all the projections. Like, d- download this obviously once all the lineups are in and the slate is already like whatever. Do it at the end of the night. You download this. You have all the project, and then you could you could download the CSVs from DraftKings. Right, click on here and put together here's the projected you can compare the projected ownership versus the actual ownership if you want well right now Ronzi Contreras is 43% projected owned did he come in at 40 like what do your lineups have been different if he comes in at 10% oh my lineups would have been so much different take the actual like you could even go in take the actual ownership and run your lineups again and go had I known the ownership was x let me go through. You could you could literally do that. Put in the actual ownership into the portfolio trimmer from Theory of DFS that you were actually using. The th- whatever 300 sets, 600 sets, whatever, whatever lineups you imported into there, put them back. Now change the projected ownership column of all the players to the ownerships that were that that actually happened. You still have the same player projections, right? For the player outcomes. But now you have a different ownership. Now you have the actual ownership versus the projected ownership. And then run the portfolio trim. Run the smart trim function. You go, okay, had I known the the ownership was X, what what, what candidate lineups would I have been left with? And if you look, and if your candidate lineups that you're left with, you're able to get 300 lineups down to 20. Well, what do those 20 look like versus the 20 that you chose from before with the projected ownership versus the actual ownership. And if they look about the same, like, then what else are you going to do? Then <clears throat> the problem comes in is when, you know, you, when you have like, oh, well, I think the, ta- I think the Rangers are going to be under owned. And I have a, you know, the projected ownership on this guy is seven, this guy of five, that guy of nine. And then you come in at 17, 15 and 19. Then you run the portfolio trimmer and you barely get any Rangers anymore. And it's like, ah, had I known the Rangers were going to be more popular, I wouldn't have been playing as many Rangers lineups. That's how you could judge. You could compare contests and judge based on that. This isn't rocket science. I mean, all the information is available to you. (coughs) You just have to look at it. And yes, I see Jenna today. DraftKings forgot that Fernando Tatis is coming back today. So he's $2,000. He's 2K. 2K! He's going to be like 70% owned. As a batter in MLB. Also, the, probably the San Diego, that that also increased the ownership of the Padres stack. Right? Because it's like, oh, I'm going to jam in Tatis. Well, I might as well play 
Right? We'll play Bogarts and Machado and Soto and whoever. Looks like from the totals we have a Wrigley win game. Is this a Wrigley or just two bad pitches? These are pretty high totals for a five-game slate. The Phillies have a 5.7 implied total. Yeah, for a five-game slate, this is this. You may you may be you may be fine with like 20 total points at pitcher tonight. But whatever. So if you have any questions, right, I got answers. This is what I do here in the morning. Right. I covered this topic, right? I showed you all this. It's all based on, you know, just someone submitting a question. That's that's what that's what Stan did, right? Stan submitted the question. I'll even go right now and say, I answered this on today's show. Because this question was from nine days ago. Stan, there you go. So when questions come in, I use them for the show. And then when I when I do answer them, because I can't assume that you're watching like every single show or listening to the podcast feed. So when they do get answered, I just reply back and say, oh, answered it. Go check out today's show. So submit your questions. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. You got any questions about the tools here at Roto-Grinders, about theory of DFS, you know, just game theory or the, you know, the, the Excel tools that I have that I that I have as part of theoryofdfs.com, go pick that up. You can get if you want a structured version of all this, just get both courses, right? It's 21 hours of audio and the Excel tools. You combine that with a Roto Grinder subscription, combo premium, so you get all the projections and ownership and everything. That's there you go. Here you go. Here's the toolbox. It's literally the toolbox that I use. Right. Other than the secret sauce of me changing ownership, where I think human beings may be going that that the computer algorithms may not may not be aware of. Right. You run lineups and you go, there's 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 no way this guy doesn't end up being like twice as owned as he should be. Right. Because everyone's going to do that. Right. You, you move that around. Other than that, like this is you sh- you're seeing what I do. This is what I do. Right. Got player props. Right. I hope you got I hope you got Ryan Nelson's under four and a half before it went away. Right. If you got up early, right. If you got like, dude, like like I was already on prize picks, right? Right. I looked here, right? Here, Ryan Nelson, four and a half, Tyon less than five, Feltner less than sixteen and a half pitching out. I mean, like I showed you that before, right? Comparing it to the bat projections. I could look on EV analytics, which has the bat projections loaded, so I don't even have to do it in Excel. Like, dude, I just, I show you literally what I do. Literally. Literally what I do here. What I, how do you compare contests? You know what? I do it literally what I just showed you. I mean, I just download the CSVs and I take a look at them. I take a look. I take a look-see. Obviously, after you do it for like seven plus years, you, you notice that, yeah, this contest tends to have X. This contest tends to look like this. This contest, I can predict it much easier. Of like, oh, well, Trevor Rogers is going to be a lot owned in this contest, but nowhere near as owned in that contest because there's not enough people that are using projections in this contest. Like, you could, you could think of things like that. I don't necessarily have to look every day. But if you're not used to looking every day, look every That's what I did in the beginning. Dude, I used to download these things every day. I used to study these every day. Every day. 30 minutes to an hour. Studying. Yesterday's CSVs. 
right? Combining CSVs for a multitude of contests, tracking, seeing what the you know correlation was between certain things. And once you know, nine out of ten things you learn don't exist, you're like, oh, I think this, oh, and that, that that doesn't exist. And sometimes you find stuff out. A lot of stuff you find out is the stuff that we we talk about today that, you know, I had to look up in 2016 and 2017. Or people downloaded the CSVs in 2016, 2017 and go, what are all the good players doing? And what are all the profitable seeming winning players doing in MLB? Oh, they're stacking. Oh, it seems like they're playing four or five guys from the same team. Oh, maybe I should be doing that. You didn't have to wait for a show to tell you. You didn't wait for someone to tell you to do that. Oh, maybe there's maybe you may not know the reason why, but it's like, well, if they're doing it, it's probably it's probably probably plus EV to do that. You do you can do that all your all on your own. All the information is available to you. Alex Santi asks, how do you manage your bankroll allocation for prize picks on underdog? Well, today there's not much stuff out, but I, I've 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 moved my my cash cash play MLB three X to five X play to just I just add more on on props and also based on the news today I saw that they're looking to fast here in Kentucky they're looking to fast track the sportsbook setups here because Redmond they only passed it like two weeks ago they want it up and running by NFL season. So that's what five months away, something like that. The more, the more and more I'm uh, doing props, the it, it's I'm getting a higher ROI and it's less work. So the more and more I'm allocating bankroll toward towards that, over DFS cash games definitely, but also the also DFS GPPs. I don't mind like like to me from a work perspective, I don't mind playing five line. I don't like I'm 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 enjoying playing five lineups a night type of thing, right? Play one inch, one of the 121, play all five in the in the large field. Because I still, even with five entries, yeah. Like, realizing my 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 expectation, realizing my equities is much tougher with five entries than with 50, but it's also less work. And I can build, I can build five plus EV lineups, no problem. Give me, give me 10 minutes. Pick five and I'm done, right? But the volume wise, that means I'm like, I'm out of the volume on a given day, only like 10% of it is in DFS. And I'm fine with that, right? I'll, I'm going to put my money on any given day in the highest edge spots that I could find, no matter what they happen to be. That goes along with my goals. I'm, I'm here. I'm here to make money, okay? For the least amount of work and the least amount of risk. That's what I'm looking for. Can I make fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars a year, just playing? I'm not talking about content. I'm not talking about whatever. Can I do that? I also have poker. I'm playing poker. That that's lumped in also. If I find that me going to today and playing for eight hours at the at the, the casino card room has a higher higher earn rate for less risk than me doing any type of DFS work, then that's what I'm going to do. I mean, but that's what this show is about. It, that it's not. I find it entertaining. Like the fun part is finding the edges and exploiting them. Right? It's like an intellectual challenge. Of like, look, I found. I look. I'm. I'm. I'm getting like a twelve percent ROI on props. 
been doing it for months and from last year, from NFL, around 12%, 10 to 15. It goes up, it goes around there. Props on prize picks and underdog. I'd probably even have a higher one if I had the actual sports books. Of course, then I have to worry about accounts, but that's a different story. So it's like, okay, I find those. It's like, okay, what's what's my edge? I ran I ran some simple Monte Carlo simulations on like the triple up strategy, you know, exploiting duplication from like sharper players. It's like my average ROI was like six or seven percent. Right? Six or seven percent doing that. And low variance, much lower variance than GPP. But you know what's better than six or seven percent? Twelve or thirteen percent, right? <laughs> right? If I could if if I could find if I could grab some of these props before they move and stuff. Why wouldn't I be doing that? Why 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 am I putting why am I putting fifteen hundred dollars into triple ups and five mans and stuff like that when I can put fifteen hundred dollars into something that gives me twice the return? I enjoy DFS. I I prefer playing DFS. But from a goal standpoint, I mean it's it's not about what's the most fun. It's about what makes the most money. Right? If it turns out making the most money is just putting all of your money in an index fund and getting on average 9% a year, then that's what I would do. Like, why am I devoting anything into this? I just put put in the put in the SP 500 and just sit there and do nothing. Jay still asks, when do you do your props? Like what time? Whenever I wake up. You can look anytime you want. If there's a good number on the board, take it. Prizepix doesn't put up much overnight anymore. They got smart. They got smart. You don't find as many of those anymore. You still, you wake up and I, I literally put the ones that I just put in before the show. I did it at like, what, 10 in the morning? 9.30, 10 in the morning? Some, hey, there may have been a better line. There may some Something may have been up there at 7 in the morning that I missed. If, you, if, you, if you're going to constantly live in, in the... In the in the mindset of like, oh, I gotta monitor this or I'm gonna miss something. It's like you're gonna find enough stuff. Like I don't want to be in the constant 24-7 state of like, well, three in the morning, let me check props. Let me check the board. Is there anything up? And then, oh, well, what happens if something's up at 3:15 in the morning? Like you'll you'll ne- you'll never you'll never enjoy your life that way. So it's like now that now last year I would look at one in the morning. I would go like before bed, let me see. Now they're not putting much, they're not really not putting much up then. So I just, I wake up, I load in the bat projections and okay, what's available? Okay. There's at least two available. Okay. Pair those two. Move on. So once lineups start coming in, you know, three o'clock, I'll challenge every, periodically check every so often. Is there something new on the board? Did something move? Did a projection move? Did a new prop go up? That's wrong. Someone some pitching outs prop. It's like, well, okay, they put this up at 17 and a half. Well, that's way too, that's way too high. And I go under, under, under. And then typically by that time, if it's off enough, 20 minutes later, it's gone. And there are times where I missed that. There are times where you go, oh, there this was on the board, but you missed it. It's like, okay, I'll get the next one. It's not like it's like I'm jamming thousand dollars on these things. Right? Very conservative. But that's the point of this show. The point of this show, it's weird to say, the point of this show is not to have fun. Okay? You have to find, you You have to have that the, the, the mentality. You have to have the brain. 
that has solving puzzles and intellectual challenges, exploiting edges for profit as the fun. If you're that type of person, this is the show for you. TheoryofDFS.com. These courses are for you. If that's the fun. If if you find the fun, uh, what do we bet on tonight so I can watch the, the baseball game and have, have some rooting interest in? Something on the line, a sweat or whatever. That's This isn't this is the show for you. I've not turned on a baseball game yet this year. Right? It's what, what three weeks in? I've, I've, I've seen clips on Twitter. That's about, that's that's close. Someone hits a home run. Oh, look at this shot. Okay, I'll press the GIF or something. I'll look at the MLB app, right? Sometimes I'll see, you know, and at bat, I'll see the dots on the screen and be like, okay, I just need one more strikeout from this pitcher. This is last inning. Let me let me put on the the play by play in the app or something. You go, okay, let's see, let's see if he gets it. Like that's about all I do. And I'm perfectly I'm perfectly fine just submitting props, submitting lineups in ten minutes before lock, and then just going off and doing something. You know, I'm watching wrestling or, or watching a series on Netflix or going out to dinner with my wife or something. Or to, the fun part is everything before the game. It's not, it's not when the game is happening. There's nothing I could do anymore. Daniel says the MLB better product this year. Yeah, it's faster, right? It's probably faster. But it's still baseball. It's still boring. Okie doke. Give me those thummy thumbs. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit the button. Smash the button. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here, right? We may have some new people here. Submit your questions if you're new, right? Questions at theoryofdfs.com. Get them in. Tomorrow, MMA, we got a, a 12 fight card. They moved the, the Ricky Simone. That, that was, they, moved, they moved, I think, probably the best fight. To the, the main event the next week. So I think there's only 12 fights on the card coming up. So I'll be going over some... Uh, DFS lineup construction and strategy for the MMA contests tomorrow. I'm also going to be on MMA crunch to the crunch time on, on Saturdays. You could get the breakdown of the fights. Remember, I don't break down the fights. I just go over, you know, it's like, okay, who's under owned, who's over owned. What do the lineup constructions kind of look like? How do we exploit the field? You know, DFS strategy, not like actual handicapping. But if you want that, if you want Liam's breakdown of the fights, Mike Brown, H3 Buddha's takes and everything. Go, go subscribe. Combo Premium. Roto Grinders. Right, You also get access to my to, to my channel in Discord. If you want to access to me, I have a channel in there called Blender's Game Theory. You can talk to me anytime you want. Right, You can post anytime you want in there. I answer everything. Right, Eventually. I mean, it doesn't mean, I, you know, I'm there. I'm there hanging out there 24-7, but I'm, I'm there. I'm there often answering anything you want. So sign up to Roto Grinders Premium. Click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. And I will see you tomorrow answering your DFS strategy questions like I always do here, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.